DMT is an experiential um, type of therapy in which what that means is it's all about the experience that we're in, right? And how we are experience each other, experiencing each other through movement, right? And not only that is in this experience, I am creating a certain awareness of the present moment through my body, through the people that are around me. And when I'm able to create this awareness on a physical level, I can integrate it into all those other components, cognitive, social, emotional, X, Y, Z, because of this physical awareness that I now have. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the Imperfectly Beautiful podcast. This podcast is a community for melanated queens who are ready to prioritize holistic self-care as the ultimate form of self-love. My name is Toya, and I'm extremely passionate about helping you take back your crown and live your best life. With each discussion, I will take you along my own personal journey to self-love, as well as feature guests that will give you practical self-care tips for your mental, physical, spiritual, and financial well-being. Are you ready to invest and thrive in your own journey to happiness and wholeness? Then let's get started. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Imperfectly Beautiful podcast. My name is Toya, and I am your host. This month, we have been talking about um, exploring different types of therapy. And so today, we'll be talking about DMT dance movement therapy with LPC, Bria Campbell. Thank you for joining me today, Bria. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so before we kick off the conversation, I just wanted you to um, share us a, share a bit of information about yourself. Absolutely. So I was born and raised in the best city there is, Chicago, Illinois. Um, shout out to all my Chicago listeners. Um, from there, I went to the illustrious North Carolina Agriculture and Technical State University, known as NCAT for my undergrad. Um, I received my undergrad in psychology. And then I took it back home and got my master's in dance movement therapy and counseling. Um, from Columbia College. Um, from there, um, I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where I started um, my work, um, predominantly with school-based mental health, so working as a therapist in the school settings. Um, and I've worked in a lot of different capacities over the last four years. So I have worked um, in crisis settings, um, so people coming in for stabilization for either um, like suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety, things of that nature, um, or substance use. Uh, and yeah, those are pretty much the two settings I've worked in. I also serve as the central member at large of the American Dance Therapy Association or the ADTA. So that's um, on its executive committee. I serve on that nationally, as well as the vice president of the Southern chapter of the ADTA. Um, and I'm also the co-founder and co-lead of Black Magic. Magic stands for Moving uh, Affinity Group in Community, um, which is an affinity group under the Multicultural and Diversity Committee um, to basically gather Black um, dance movement therapists and just have a place for them to fellowship, um, get educational resources with, 
um, and just kind of join and collaborate with, uh, with them on different things. Um, one thing that we really do is create an annual retreat in the Poconos that is um, a retreat space owned by one of our Black Magic members, her and her husband. It's on about three acres of land in the Poconos. So we get there to really emphasize like Black rest and wellness and just kind of move together and kind of collect in that communal style. So that's a little bit about me and, you know, in a brief summary. <laughs> I think that's amazing about how many um, Black dance movement therapists attend. Because it's for me, it's been hard for me to find a lot across the just in the Chicagoland area in general I'm not sure about you know what the other states look like but usually how many attend so this is our second year we just did our second one so the first one we had about 17 the last one we had about 10 so the numbers mm-hmm. well the numbers kind of dropped this year okay. but just overall um people that we have connected with through Black Magic it's been about 70 members from different parts of the world. So we have Chicago, Atlanta, Mm -hmm. New York, um, Philadelphia, the DMV area, just kind of all over, kind of internationally as well, Canada, the Caribbean. So we're trying to bring as many people we can in whatever space that we can. I think that's awesome. Um, And I'm excited to talk about dance movement therapy because I don't think it's, I recently found out about it maybe like within the past year or two. And I feel like sometimes traditional therapy, I think it's great, but people may need, you know, another form of therapy. And throughout this series, I'm hoping that, you know, I'm able to bring some awareness to like, you know, CBT, EMDR and like, you know, dance movement therapy. So that way people are able to potentially assess and try and research to figure out what types of therapy may be most beneficial to them. And so going into DMT therapy, Um, I know that it kind of helps to bring awareness to like, um, I'm sorry, um, DMT therapy is dance movement therapy. So kind of helps with like self-esteem and um, a number of different things. But can you help us to understand exactly what it is and all it encompasses and what DMT um, does and the positive effects that it can have on people? Absolutely. So I'll give you the definition from the ADCA and then I'll kind of like summarize it and put it into my my words. So according to the ADCA, it is a psychotherapeutic use of movement to promote emotional, social, cognitive, and physical integration for the individual for the purpose of improving health and well-being. And so for me, what that means is DMT is an experiential um, type of therapy in which what that means is it's all about the experience that we're in, right? And how we are experiencing each other through movement, right? And not only that is in this experience, I am creating a certain awareness of the present moment through my body through the people that are around me. And when I'm able to create this awareness on a physical level, I can integrate it into all those other components, cognitive, social, emotional, X, Y, Z, because of this physical awareness that I now have. And I can now attach it to some of those areas. So they kind of come together and fuse. So I can do that through a lot of different avenues. First of all, in order to do dance movement therapy, you need a dance movement therapist. 
And so a dance movement therapist is someone who has attended an accredited um, BMT program and they have completed coursework. Um, additionally, most dance movement therapists are um, LPCs or um, clinicians, right? And so it's a joint program. Most programs are a joint program in which they have training in dance movement therapy and you are training to become a counselor as well. And so that form or modality is can be integrated with other psychotherapies uh, such as CBT, uh, DBT, um, and other different forms, right? So that's what it is. That's who can use it. How it can look a multitude of ways. I think that's the really cool thing about dance movement therapy is it's not like other modalities where it's like a strict guideline or it's like these interventions like dance movement therapy can be us being aware of what's happening right now it can be as small as stillness to expansive as movement and dancing right and so a lot of people get the conception of like oh dance movement therapy like oh you dancing and you feel better that is not that that is therapeutic dance right so I'm dancing and I enjoy it and it feels therapeutic to me whereas dance movement therapy comes with a certain skill set a certain observation lens a certain um certain terminology in certain ways to integrate movement into kind of some of these other social, emotional, uh, cognitive spaces, right? So dance movement therapy can be seen in a multitude of settings. Um, they can be seen in the school setting, um, in a hospital setting. It can be amongst pretty much any population that you can think of, anybody that can receive therapy or does receive therapy in any type of capacity can do, um, can receive dance movement therapy. And so what I want you to, to think about like in connection with dance movement therapy is it's another lens and another intervention in which I can use in traditional therapy, right? So it's adding kind of that creative arts component to it. That makes sense. Um, and before I, I relocated and I left Chicago, I was briefly taking dance movement therapy with um, with a clinician. And I essentially took it because I know in some ways I just, I, I know for me sometimes I find it difficult to be present and to be in the present moment. But also for me as well, I wanted it to use it as an outlet for me to help to step out of my comfort zone. And so I remember it was either our first or second session. So we were kind of going through movements and it was like the most awkward experience. And it's just going through my mind. And she was just like, I don't care, just do what comes to mind or, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And I just remember feeling like so awkward and out of place um, and feeling like I'm being judged. It was just a number of different thoughts. So I know like for some people who may not have experienced dance movement therapy or it may be like their first experience, like, it's normal to feel kind of those feelings. Um, and I, I feel like I didn't, didn't have a lot of um, sessions. I want to say we maybe had like eight to 10 sessions before I left Chicago, but I did notice like over time that I did become a bit more comfortable. Um, and it kind of got to the point where I didn't care as much, but I guess my question to that is what is it something that you do as a therapist to help 
people become more comfortable with, because it is a new experience. It's something that's really different from traditional therapy. And to be able to just take that step and do that can sometimes just be um, a bit overwhelming. So what is it something that you do to help your clients become more comfortable with that particular process? Absolutely. So what I want your listeners to really understand is that DMT is not a performative thing, right? So I don't want you to think like, oh, I have to be a dancer. I have to have this background to take this form of therapy. Like, no, it's not about that at all, right? Mm -hmm. So really what you were experiencing was a level of discomfort in your body. A lot. Right. So so (laughs) the experience is more so about how can I get in touch with my body? See, a lot of us are so disconnected from what's going on from the neck down because we're always in our head. Why do you think that anxiety is so high and, um, you know, across the nation is because we are constantly thinking, moving, we are in our phones. So there's a social distraction like there. We don't pay attention to things that are happening to the neck from the neck down, really. And when we're able to tap into our bodies and be able to be more aware and present within the body, our body can let us know certain things that are going on. If we are somebody who's having constant headaches or stomach issues or back pain or shoulder pain, once we do something as simple as a body scan, which is I am literally taking a scan of my head to my toes and just being aware of my senses. Like, what do I feel in this moment? What do I see? Is, is Are my shoulders tense? You know, is my back hurting? Do I need to stretch something? Do I need to move something? Where people might be totally oblivious to that experience now because I'm setting the time to be intentional and really looking myself from head to toe, I'm able to zoom in and understand areas that feel uncomfortable. So to kind of go back to your original question, it's the getting in tune and in touch with my body. And that is where the comfort builds, right? So for me, because I know that that may be a barrier and some people might not be like, I don't want to dance. I don't want to move. That's not what it's about for me. It's about increasing that body awareness. And by increasing that body awareness, what can I pull out that gets you into a space of what's going on cognitively or emotionally or socially, right? So for me, it's about simple things like deep breathing. Like that is movement. Like how do I bring oxygen in my body and out? It can be as simple as, like I said, doing a body scan. It can be as simple as stretching my body, right? It's how do I not only become more aware, but become comfortable in my body. So when things are happening in my body, I can recognize that and say, hmm, is that connected to something else that's going on? So for example, say we're doing, you're my client, and we're doing a body scan, right? And you get to your shoulders and we're moving together and stuff. And you're like, man, I got a lot of tension in my shoulders and we're pressing and we're moving and we're just bringing some awareness to what's happening here. And as you're bringing awareness to what's happening in your shoulders, a thought may pop up of, man, I really feel like I have to carry everything on my shoulders. Mm. I feel so overwhelmed, right? So this tension in your shoulders just didn't come out of nowhere. It's connected to that emotional place, right? So now our work in dance movement therapy is how do we release tension in our body? What does that look like? What does it look like to yield or allow something else to support me so I don't have to feel so overwhelmed? So now we're playing with with weight, right? And how do I yield my body into things to feel like 
I'm getting some support and that may go into talk therapy of, well, who's your support system? What things are you putting in place to learn how to allow yourself Mm. to rely on somebody else? Because you might be like, oh, I feel like I have to carry everything by myself. I can't, you know, be supported. And that'll show up in your body if you feel like, ooh, like, I don't think I can lean back on this chair. I'm holding and supporting myself, right? So learning how to do that in your body so we can do that emotionally and cognitively. I like how you explained that. Thank you. (laughs) So my next question would be, how are you able to assess if a client needs DMT versus, I know that you said that some therapies can be combined, but is there a specific way in which you are able to assess if a client needs dance movement therapy? Well, I think everybody can benefit from dance movement therapy. I don't think it's like you have to meet this certain criteria to Mm -hmm. take dance movement therapy. I think some populations may benefit more than others but Mm -hmm. I think everybody can utilize it it's one of those therapies that is just so great for anyone because again it's about how do I tap back into my body and Mm -hmm. connect that to um, certain social emotional cognitive things in order to help promote healing and change right so it's really for anyone I would say probably some of the most beneficial um, children with like autism, I think it's a very good one because it's uh, tapping into kind of to that communication piece and using our bodies to communicate. Um, I think it, it can be really good for those experiencing um, depression and anxiety, um, trauma. Um, if we think about, you know, victims of, you know, sexual assault, sexual abuse, rape, things of that nature, um, you are completely you completely probably had an outer body experience and no longer feel like I want to be attached to my body because it was, it was, my body isn't safe mm. and harmed. So how do I reintegrate and relearn my body to feel safe in it so I can feel safe in other surroundings? So it, it again, it really can be used for anyone, but those are probably some highlighted populations that it can be really, really beneficial for. So when you have clients that, you know, go through dance movement therapy, what type of exercises or like, you know, some therapists, they provide homework to their clients. What are some activities that clients can do on their own to help um, further the process or the um, kind of the journey that they're on through dance movement therapy? For sure. I think when people, a lot of people come to therapy, there is a lack of awareness, right? I might know some of my issues, but not to a certain depth, right? So DMT is definitely about mindfulness and mindfulness is a word that gets thrown around a lot in the therapy realm. But I feel like dancing with therapy does it in a way where it truly integrates my body spirit as one. So simple things that I feel like clients can do is learning how to do those body scans, um, taking the time to do a body part warm-up and really kind of moving each body part separately for a certain amount of time. Like I'm just going to roll my head and pay attention to my head and gain the awareness of what's going on with my head um, all the way down, right? So I'm taking piece by piece by piece and then I integrate all that movement together. Um, I think simple things as more sensory awareness, right? So what are things that I'm seeing around me? What do I smell? What do I uh, feel? What do I taste? What do I hear? Um, so a really cool um, 
activity I like to do with my kiddos and I do it with my adults um, is a five, four, three, two, one. So five things that you can see, four things that you can feel, three things that you can hear, two things that you can smell, and one thing that you can taste, right? And so constantly doing that, if I am able to describe those things, that means I'm paying attention in this moment, right? So finding ways to do that on a consistent basis um, is very helpful, as well as being able to do that and be in tune with your body. Like if I'm getting up every morning, like let me do a quick scan and see if anything is hurting. Um, and the more that I am in tune with my body and I practice that um, routine, when something shifts, I can see that as a potential um noticing or some information that I need to figure out well, what's going on in my environment where this is shifting. So for example, um, my mom, when she gets upset, she'll break out in hives. And so for a really long time, like, I don't know if the connection was there. Like, I think she made, you know, that awareness and connection, but that is a physical response to an emotional issue. Just like most people, like I get stomach aches when I'm anxious or my heart beats, right? So it makes sense because your emotions are triggering a physiological response. So that means what do I need to do in order to change that emotion or that trigger or to cope with that emotion or that trigger? And nine times out of 10, it can start on a physical level to correct that emotional, um, emotional shift. And I never even thought of, you know, I thought of, you know, witness movement therapy, the importance of being present, but I never even tied it back um, that you did as far as like the body scans and like the mindfulness and, you know, um, even with like doing meditation practices, you know, you kind of go through the body scan at the beginning of like, you know, a meditation and things like that. But um, yeah, I never even really like put two and two together to, to, and it, makes sense but it just never even crossed my mind um so with dance movement therapy how are you able to tell with like your clients that they're able to they're making progress like what are you using to assess like okay um you see some improvement um you see them being less anxious um how are you able to assess that with dance movement therapy I think that's where kind of observation skills are very important. Like if I'm noting that, for example, if I have a depressed client and maybe a posture that they constantly uh, sit in is kind of curved over hunched kind of in a ball, right? And so as we work together, as we talk, as we go through some exercises, maybe over time their posture isn't kind of in that ball, maybe it's straight up and down, right? So I see it's been a shift um, from one posture to the next, and I can see that noticeable change. And using the clients themselves, right? How do you feel like you're doing, right? Because essentially you are the, you know, master of your therapy. You are the master of you know, controlling what happens in your progression, right? So really using them to tell me, like, how do you feel like you're doing? Do you feel like you're seeing progress, right? I can observe one thing, but if you are, you know, feeling a different way, then there's some incongruencies. And then we need to kind of come back and figure out like, okay, what points are we missing? Why don't we feel like we're progressing and kind of moving from there? So I think being a therapist, just in general, dance movement or not, it's just being attuned to your client 
and you can tell in the subtle ways that they either may talk or things that they said that now they're not saying things or actions or behaviors that they were doing that they're not doing. So really being attuned and paying attention and observing behaviors is probably the biggest key for me to tell like certain shifts. Okay. Is there a, I know that you mentioned that dance movement therapy is for everyone and everyone, you know, you recommend that, you know, almost anyone can take dance movement therapy. Is there a certain amount of time, like a time frame in which you would recommend people take dance movement therapy and maybe transition to another or combine it with another form of therapy? What are your thoughts on that? You can be creative in um, combination with things. Like I mm-hmm. think some typical um, combos would be like CBT and dance movement therapy or DBT and dance movement therapy. Um, you know, DMT can be, you can have some people who take like, who are dance movement therapists who say like, I strictly do DMT and like all of my sessions have components of dance movement therapy in it, right? So for me, my practice is a little different where I may take bits and pieces from different things and use them. So I don't use it as intensely. So to answer your question, I may use it sporadically throughout. I think it just depends on just the course of treatment for um, that particular client. Like if they are on a six month treatment plan, then six months it is. I don't think, you know, there is a necessarily end or, you know, an end or a cutoff that like it becomes ineffective after X, Y, and Z. I think it's just strengthening the skills that you learn through dance movement therapy and continuously applying them to, you know, as a part of your coping. And what has been one of your most rewarding experiences being a therapist and seeing the client go through um, DMT therapy, dance movement therapy? My most rewarding. Ah, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's so many, I think just, beyond dance movement therapy because like I said for me DMT my DMT lens is integrated into who I am as a therapist like it's not two separate things for me it's blended in what I do how I approach people how I you know navigate conversations how I navigate sessions like those things are in me so for me like I work with a lot of um children And so when I see the kiddos just kind of being able to regulate themselves, to use the skills that we learned or talked about and kind of be more in tune with their bodies and understand like, you know, this made me upset. Like I feel this in my body. Like I'm able to take these deep breaths to calm down and to increase that present moment awareness. I think those are our big moments for me of like, you getting it and it's working. Something is shifting and changing in you and you're able to do that on your own. Now, are you able to see a major difference in you say that you work with a lot of children? Are you able to see a big difference with the outcome or even just the interaction as it relates to like kids versus children when taking DMT? Like, do you notice a difference in our children? Do they tend to be more open and accepting to DMT versus adults? Like what are some of those differences that you're able to see and recognize? That's a great, a great um, question. 
I think DMT is a lot easier for children because they're more like playful and active and like you can turn DMT into a lot of different things. So like, for example, one um, group game where I do like groups for, you know, pretty much anything, honestly, I do a like a name game. And I do a name game with the movement. So I'll say like, okay, I'm Bria. And they have to copy my movement, right? And we go in a circle, we learn each other's names and we do the movement and we add on. So it becomes like a little mini dance, right? And so what that does is not only do I get to know you, I'm becoming attuned. You have to pay attention to notice what everybody else is doing and you're moving your body and we're building a group, um, like some group community and group cohesion, right? So it works really well with kids because creativity is um, big for children. Whereas I feel like adults, we kind of step away from some of those creative aspects because we're all up here and you know our cognitive, logical, um, top-down kind of processing vibe and it, it, it kind of is unfortunate for adults because I feel like creative arts therapies in general is like such an amazing space where that and therapy collide because I think you're able to receive things in a different way and integrate different parts of yourself that may have been lost in childhood, right? I know we talk a lot about like your inner child and kind of feeding the inner child. And I feel like those creative arts therapies really do that. So I do see more of engagement and less judgment, right? Because kids are movers. Kids are always active, running, jumping, flipping, doing X, Y, Z. So you telling them to move their bodies isn't so much of a foreign concept than adults. That makes sense. And then kids, kids tend to care less. I feel like once when they're younger than you know than adults do. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. That's okay. So for someone that's looking for a dance movement therapist, what are some things that they should look for or even ask um, a future therapist, a potential therapist when interviewing them to see if they're a good fit for them? And I love the, the fact that you say interviewing because I tell a lot of people when looking for a therapist, like find a therapist is like dating. Like mm -hmm. essentially when you go to a therapist, their jobs is um, a couple of things. But one of the main ones, is to model what healthy relationships and healthy lifestyles are, right? So you want to be aware of kind of, do you vibe with this person? Does this person feel like they fit who you are? You know, are they representative or not representative of some things that you are, right? Are some of their values and core beliefs and how they kind of work? you know, align with what you need, right? You also don't want a therapist who is just going to feed your own ego and be a yes man or yes woman and just tell you what you want to hear um, because that isn't effective. So sometimes that may take somebody different than your norm. Sometimes it takes, you know, somebody who is similar to you. So I think the first thing is really being aware of your needs. This is what I need. This is what I want to work on. And it might not be totally flushed out, but just having some sense of this is the 
the things that I really need from you as a therapist. And this is the things that I want to work on and need help with. I think that's one. Two, really getting a good sense of like the therapist background, you know, what theoretical approaches they use, kind of what's their style and approach to therapy. Um, you want to really see if you like your preferences towards a therapist like do I want to see somebody in person versus online do I want you know a male or a female do I want a therapist within a certain age group a certain um ethnic racial or uh cultural background like what are some of these qualities that I want um in my therapist and why do I want them I would say ask a lot of questions as well, like really get to know your therapist. For me, I'm a very personable person. Like I tell people like I'm always going to be myself because being myself is my best intervention and that's how I can help you. And I think being very personable um, with people, it helps to ease some of that discomfort because I mean, although we are becoming a lot more accepting of therapy, some people still have stigma around what that means. And I feel like having someone who can ease some of those um, concerns and just be really personable and be human, like I'm human just like you are. I have things just like you do. Like, and seeing that, it makes people feel a lot more comfortable with you. As far as finding a dance movement therapist or a therapist in general, I'll start with therapists in general and then specifically dance movement therapists. So therapists in general, you have a couple different options. Um, you can look on psychology today and search for therapists that are in your state or city. Um, you can look at sites, I believe they have therapy, you know, for specific, uh, I'm talking about black folks, um, therapy, and maybe if you, even if you're not Black, let me say that as well, um, therapy for Black girls, and I believe they have like a therapy for Black men website where you can look up um, different therapists and kind of read their bios. Any spaces that are like hubs for therapists, like search engines for therapists, I believe Inoscope in is one, Inoscope, I'm sorry, is one as well. Um, you can also go through your insurance to um they should have some type of mental health page on there where you can search for therapists um if your job offers uh eap and they have different um mental health providers kind of through your company i would suggest looking through them um what else what else, what else? those are like the main ones you can also go through online platforms such as um better health ThriveWorks, um, the other ones are escaping me right now. Ginger, able to, and there are a few others um, that you can look at um, and that can be a good resource. And they have a hub of therapists who work under their companies. Mm -hmm. And you can, you know, kind of, like, again, it's kind of like that. And you get to have a profile and personalize it to what you're looking for, what you need. And they kind of match you with a therapist that kind of similarly align. So that's kind of the nice part about that. Like, you can kind of not do all the guesswork and they kind of match it for you. Um, as far as a dance movement therapist, I would um, recommend going to the ADTA website and that is www.adt.org. And you would go to, I'm kind of doing it as we talk. If you go to, and it looks different. Um, let me see. I'm trying to, it should be something on here that says, like, find a dance women therapist in your area. I'm trying to see off the top of my head where it is. 
profiles of DMT. I believe that's where you go. Oh, yes, it is. So under the quick links, it says find a DMT and you will click that and then it'll direct you to a page. And I believe from there, you just kind of search where you are um, and it should pull up dance movement therapies in your particular area. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. And is there anything else you'd like to add before we close out the conversation? Um, I'm just appreciative. Wow, this went by super fast. <laughs> um, I'm just appreciative of you reaching out and putting some shine and spotlight on the field of dance movement therapy. We are a relatively new field in the mental health world. Um, we are over 50 years in the field. I believe we are approaching our 57th year um, in the field. So while our work has been around, as long as the Super Bowl has been around, we are still kind of new to the game. So any way that we can get our shine and our shout out and just not even shine and shout out, but that awareness so people know what dance movement therapy is, how it can be beneficial and, you know, peaking interest into other creative arts therapies as well. I just appreciate that. Um, definitely get y'all a therapist. I think everyone needs one <laughs> for whatever reason, you know, whether it's, you know, I just need to, someone to talk out my emotional supports to like, I'm really depressed. I have some trauma. I haven't resolved. I'm grieving. I'm anxious, you know, anything. Um, I think it's, it's beneficial just to have somebody to really get that mental health support. Like I tell everybody, when you feel sick, you go to the doctor. When your car doesn't work, you go to the mechanic. You know, but when it comes to mm -hmm. mental health, it is nothing wrong with having a therapist to have and provide that space for you to give you those healthy skills for coping, to help you process emotional, social, cognitive issues, and just tip you, um, get you in in the routine of just some overall wellness. So, thank you just for the opportunity. Honestly, thank you so much um, for just agreeing to be a part of this conversation I'm always trying to bring awareness to a variety of topics um, as it relates to self-care and self-love and therapy and different types of therapy and different topics related to therapy is something that I'm always addressing and trying to discuss this platform so thank you as well yes. um, and you mentioned there being other types of creative arts therapy what are some of the those other types so you have drama therapy, you have music therapy, um, you have play therapy. Play therapy works really well with children. Um, those are the three main uh, other types of creative arts therapies. If there's some other ones, I just, I'm not aware of them. Okay. Um, no, I'm sorry, in art therapy. How can I forget about art therapy? Um, Thank you for sharing. Kind of like the big ones. Um, and so they function in similar ways using kind of that creative modality to kind of mm -hmm. bring awareness and coupling them with um, social, emotional, and cognitive things. Um, so yeah, those are some other ones. I did want to pub my business before Please we Please do. Absolutely. Well, Go for it. <laughs> um, so I have a business. Um, it is called Speak, Supporting People Emotionally and Kinesthetically, LLC. Um, I'm in the process of getting my website up and running, but if you do have any questions, I just wanted to leave my email address where I can be reached, and that is contactspeakllc at gmail.com. 
And just a little background of what SPEAK is and will be. Um, SPEAK is a mental health platform um, that is geared towards being kind of like the Nike of mental health. Like it is a mental health brand just supporting people um, social, emotionally, and through mental health practices. So some of the things that SPEAK has already um, done thus far as um, different tra trauma trainings and self-care trainings in the school settings is kind of its major push. Um, in January, fingers crossed, press up, I will be launching SPEAK as a private practice. So I will be taking clients in the Georgia area, um, as well as some other avenues with some social, emotional, um, coping skill books and things like that that's coming down the pipeline. So if you need a training, um, if you're in the Georgia area, if you're not in the Georgia area, I'm going to Cali, Chicago, North Carolina. So if you are somebody who is an educator or even if you're not an educator and you wanna get some more background on trauma-informed care or self-care, I do have a three-part series uh, training doing that. So please reach out um, to me. I would love to provide that educational training for you know our folks who need it um yeah and that's my business thank you so much and congratulations on the business <laughs> last question I ask everyone this what is your favorite self-care act or self-care mantra yes okay <laughs> so I think my favorite mantra is um it's a couple actually it's two that I'm thinking of but I'm hoping I'm wording them right but you cannot set yourself on fire to keep others warm. Mm. So I'm saying it again for people in the back who missed it. You cannot set yourself on fire to keep others warm. Wow. And my second one is your lack of preparation does not constitute as a personal emergency for me. I'm going to say that one again. Say it again. <laughs> your lack of preparation on your behalf, on your behalf, does not constitute as a personal emergency for me. So because you are not prepared and you rushing and you doing as mm -hmm. you bring that energy to me, that don't mean it's my emergency. Yeah. And you cannot burn yourself for the first one. You cannot burn yourself out in order to keep other people happy. So those are just reminders that, you know, I need to take care of myself. And if you schedule my self-care training, I'll go into depth of what that looks like. But essentially, in short, self-care is not a simply an activity for me, or at least it shouldn't be for anyone, just an activity or a thing. Self-care is integrated into my everyday routine, right? Mm -hmm. But when I wake up in the morning, I read the Bible, I take my vitamins, I let my dog out, I um, pray, I listen to music, I do a whole multitude of things. I like candles throughout the day. I have something like some type of smell good around me. Um, I go to cycling three times a week. I drink my water. Like these are things that fuel me. And so what makes self-care stabilizing is when we use it in a consistent form. Mm -hmm. So, you know, most people are like, oh, I'm going to go to the spa and get my nails done and that's self-care. And it is, right? We're not discrediting that. But how can we integrate that into an everyday practice? Because if I'm caring for myself every day, working on myself every day, then the likelihood of me burning out is a lot better than yeah. if I'm just going, 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 and then I crash, right? Mm -hmm. Now I have to use self-care to be 
the gas in my tank to refill it up. Like it's a consistent thing. We don't want to put gas in the tank when we don't eat. We might want to put it in a quarter tank, right? Mm -hmm. So that's just the things I like to look at self-care and I'm big on it. Like I have to practice what I preach and Mm -hmm. I do take care of myself. Take your PTO if you need to. Take your PTO, y'all. Take it. And that reminds me of the saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. You cannot pour from an empty cup. So like, especially with my job, I work with kids and my kids from the moment I walk in the door, hey, Ms. Bria, want a hug? Like just all of me disappointed when I like, it's a lot of people pulling from me Mm -hmm. constantly. So I have to make it my main priority to pull and pour into myself and definitely having people around me that can pour into me as well. That's also a part of self-care. You want to have good social supports around you too. So that's my self-care mantra. Thank you so much. And you're only licensed in the state of Georgia. I am. I really do want to get licensed in Illinois, but you know, you should just do it. I know, I know, I know. It definitely needs to happen. Um, you know, if I ever move back home, you know, I can have that license. I've also thought mm-hmm. about getting license in North Carolina as well. Um, okay. But just Georgia for now. Okay. Well, thank you again. Um, if there are people that want to reach out to you, want to um, potentially ask about dance movement therapy, how can they reach you? So you guys, again, can reach me at contact speak llc at gmail.com um, i check my email pretty often so definitely reach out um, i'm also on linkedin which is how you found me yes. um, <laughs> so you can research me Brea campbell i'm um, on linkedin um, as well so yeah those are the links well thank you so much again for joining me and everyone that's listening um, i hope you all enjoyed this conversation and If you have any questions as it relates to self-care or if you have any topics that you are interested in hearing about, feel free to email us at info at imperfectlybeautiful.me or reach out on Instagram at imperfectlybeautifulofficial. And with that, we'll talk to you all next time.